When you look at it from the SEO part of it is you want to help the people that you can best help. So using that strategy to market specifically to those people is going to just give you the opportunity to make such a bigger impact. Welcome to the Self-Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women, just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. We've all heard the term SEO tossed around, but what does it mean and how can it properly be optimized? That's where today's guest, Maggie Schneider, founder of Hilltop Help, can assist. In addition to her entrepreneurial story, Maggie gets in the weeds offering you personal tips on how to optimize SEO for your website. If you already have a website or are thinking about creating one of your own, then this episode is for you. Maggie, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today and sharing a little bit more about your web design business with the Self-Starter listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Of course. Now, today you are the founder of Hilltop Help, but you didn't start out that way. What did you do before starting your own business? Yeah, funny enough, I was a registered nurse for about seven years before I got this idea to start a business. Obviously, I worked in healthcare for about 10 years as like a receptionist and kind of working my way up as I went through nursing school until I became a nurse. I worked in outpatient and inpatient in the hospital, um, mostly focused on like post-surgical and then postpartum pediatric care. Um, So kind of a wide variety there. I really loved working in healthcare. I like am a lifelong learner, so healthcare is perfect for that. I felt like I was always being challenged. But then as I had kids in 2020 is when I first had my son, I realized that the healthcare field is very demanding for people who have families. Um, you know, the 12-hour shifts that turn into 14-hour shifts, working overnight, working weekends, holidays, all of that. I just felt like I was missing out a lot and just just the anxiety of balancing my schedule, my work schedule with my family life schedule. So I didn't really set out to start a business, but I listened to a bunch of like motherhood podcasts. And one of the big ones that I listened to um, called Pursuing Her Purpose, they started a business to support moms looking to transition, whether it was to start their own business or just to transition to a different job that was more purpose-filled for them. And I was listening to that podcast and thought, you know, this is something to explore. So they offered a course. I literally thought it was just a quick Instagram course, but it was so in-depth about like how to start a business and just kind of took off from there. (laughs) That's incredible. And I think it's really interesting too, that you, you really invested so much time and also money into your education to be able to go into the medical field. So I'm curious kind of how that felt when you decided, you know what, being a mom and being present for my family is actually more important than the investment that I've already made so far. I think that's something that people struggle with is is really leaving something that they've kind of invested so much time in already. So how did you work through all of that in order to really be a little bit more present for your family? Yeah, it definitely was a struggle. Like you said, you invest the time, the money, and nursing was actually my second degree. My first degree was in public health. So, I mean, related, but I still needed that extra education to um, work as a nurse. And nursing was such a big part of my identity. Like, I am a caretaker by nature. I always have been since I was a kid. So, yeah, I I really struggled with how am I going to start a business 
I really wanted to get out of healthcare, to be honest. It took such an emotional toll for me too. just, you know, I witnessed a lot of death of young children. I witnessed some like very traumatic things. So emotionally, I, I had those years of trauma kind of building up that I knew I needed to do something different, but it was, it was a struggle. I spoke with my husband a lot about it. Obviously he's like my biggest supporter in this. Um, and I knew I needed his backing to, to leave a career that was making our family money. But I kind of had this idea in my head that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom anyway. And as I kept decreasing my hours as a nurse working at the hospital, you know, I went from full-time to part-time to then just kind of here and there. I just kind of realized I actually want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I also need something else for myself. I felt like my brain was kind of mush after having kids. And you'll see someday that, yeah, I just needed something for me, something to like spark my creativity, to like get my brain moving. I remember this one day, a few months after I had my daughter, my kids were both napping and I was literally coloring in one of their coloring books <laughs> because I was just like, I need to do something with my brain that isn't like cleaning the house or cooking a meal for them, you know? And that was kind of what inspired me to look into starting a business. Again, like I really didn't set out to do this, but once I had the idea in my head, it just took off from there. I obviously, <laughs> as you mentioned, like I don't have a child physically in my hands right now, but the child's coming and I feel like mm -hmm. I've gone through something very similar than what you were talking about. I didn't come from the medical field, but I came from investing my time and resources into the sales profession and really looking at my life and thinking, is this really what I want my life to look like as I'm bringing a human into this world? I don't have the flexibility. My husband's never, never home because he's always working. So how am I going to make this work? So I kind of understand what you're talking about, obviously without the emotional roller coaster of watching some very unfortunate events go down like you. So I resonate there. And then what I don't resonate with quite yet is not having something outside of like the cooking and cleaning and my brain just turning to mush. So um, <laughs> I'm curious, when you said that your brain was turning to mush, why did you then decide to search outwardly for a course to be able to get a little bit more clarity on kind of what's next? That's a good question. So my brain <laughs> and different moms will relate differently. Like you need a passion of your own, whatever that is, whether it's just like listening to music or listening to podcasts, that might be enough for you. And that's totally fine. There's so many people that love being stay-at-home moms out there. Nothing against that. Like they are the hardest workers ever, <laughs> 100%. But I knew I needed support. And like, I knew also that I wanted to contribute financially it wasn't like a requirement. Like I said, like I was planning on being a stay-at-home mom and not bringing in any income, but for whatever reason, I just have that as like a measure of success for me. And probably not everyone has that either, but for me, I just wanted to contribute something like that is how I measure my success. And that's probably something I should work out with a therapist about or something. But yeah, it's, I think a lot of women can relate to that. You want to be strong, independent woman, but also be there for your family. That's kind of where I'm at with that. <laughs> Still working through. I feel you there. I think that's something that I've been working through currently right now is I've identified so much of my success to how much money I was bringing in, but having to let go of some of that and just rely a little bit more truly on this partnership, knowing that a partnership really does mean like sometimes you're giving more than you're taking and sometimes you're taking more than you're giving. You're giving in other ways, like you're exactly. contributing to raising these new humans who need you, especially when they're so young. Exactly. And like you said, being a stay at home is not easy whatsoever. I fully believe that that is probably the hardest job you could ever have is yeah. really taking care of these little humans. But you obviously decided that you needed a little bit more in your life. Like obviously you loved being a stay at home mom, but you really wanted to take it 
to another level and just be able to contribute financially a little bit. Again, why did you decide to purchase a course to be able to help get you a little bit of clarity around that matter? Honestly, I think one of the biggest reasons I purchased the course was I wanted a little bit more connection with other moms who were feeling the same things that I was feeling. I have mom friends, but a lot of them are working moms. A lot of them are other nurses too. When I had this idea in my head of like, I need to get out of healthcare and I need to do something different, I really didn't have many people to talk to. So one of the benefits of many courses and this one in particular was that they had these group coaching calls, you know, monthly or whatever they were, then the Facebook groups where you could really like bounce ideas off of other women. Honestly, a lot of my first clients came from this course that I took. We're still in communication today. We are very supportive of each other on Instagram or, you know, outside of Instagram, like texting each other. So that was one of the biggest benefits of joining a program like that is just that connection piece, obviously the networking, like getting my first clients, getting my foot in the door that way, but also just connecting with other moms in the same boat, feeling kind of those same things that I was feeling in that time. Yeah. Community and connection is everything, especially as you are starting and growing a business, because being an entrepreneur can be very lonely. And to be able to have other people that are going through similar things as you at the same time or have already gone through that really is the game changer. So I know you said when you were in the nursing field at first, you didn't really have dreams of really entrepreneurship. You were planning to be a stay-at-home mom. And then once you became a stay-at-home mom, you wanted something a little extra to be able to add to the list of your duties, essentially. So how did you just find what you really wanted to do with your business? Yeah. So like I said, when I joined that course, I had no idea that I was going to start a business. I just was very interested in learning about it. It was during the group coaching calls that I recognized the need for businesses to hire out support. Uh, So many people start their business as a solopreneur, or maybe they have one partner. But as you know, starting a business, it takes a lot of work from, you know, if you're marketing yourself on social media, designing a website, making blog posts, then you're building out your offers, getting feedback from those offers. All of that takes so, so much time. And even if you have, you know, full-time childcare and you're working on your business for hours a week, there's just never enough time in the day. So I saw that with these, talking with these women during the group coaching calls and realized like that is something that I would love doing. As a nurse, I loved helping people. The biggest thing that I loved in nursing was that education piece, collaborating with the patients and figuring out strategy moving forward of how they were going to work to get better, right? Or what was going to happen when they left the hospital. So I took a lot of those same skills as a nurse into my virtual assistant business and just worked on communicating with my clients, coming up with strategies of what do you need help with most? How many hours can I commit to doing that for you? And it really just took off from there. Like I said, I only used social media personally as just like posting pictures of my kids and whatever. And the more I got into it, the more I learned about it. You know, you can learn so much on YouTube and Google. The more I just realized like this was something that I was really passionate about and seeing the results that my clients were getting from just a few hours of support a week really was so inspiring and just pushed me to pursue it even further. Well, and I liked what you said about you identified the things that you liked within your nursing career. You liked helping people. You liked helping them get to a certain outcome. Mm -hmm. You were able to take those certain qualities that you really liked about your job and apply that to a business of your own, which you referenced here, but you actually started as a virtual assistant. And today you have a web design business. So I'm curious just to understand the evolution of really how you started out as a virtual assistant and really how it has transitioned into a web design business. Yeah. So like I said, I just reached out to people in that business class that I took, just kind of 
to get my feet in the door, took whatever jobs they were willing to give me. Basically, a lot of it was social media stuff. I did like some podcast editing, some like very minimal web design stuff. I was building my own website for my virtual assistant business. And I just realized like how much strategy and thought I loved writing. So there was like a writing component to it. I loved the design creativity about web design. And the more I started just updating, tweaking my own website and then the websites of my clients, the more I realized, wow, this is like something that is really fun and also more profitable than a virtual assistant business alone would be. So I actually ended up taking another course specifically for web design. I'm a big proponent of courses in case you can't tell because you can learn so much in such a short period of time because you're learning from people who have already been where you are. So anyway, I took this web design course and just fell in love with it even more. And a lot of my clients had websites that they did themselves. And that's when the kind of SEO piece came into it where they were like, well, how can I make my website better? And so I offer a SEO audit package that not only goes through the design, but also the backend piece of what keywords are we targeting? How are we reaching your specific audience? It's proven to be a really valuable package that I'm offering to people because they're able to quickly increase their traffic and target the right people versus, you know, just marketing their business to anybody. So that's kind of where virtual assistants came to be this web design business. Um, I do still think they're very related. I still do a lot of kind of virtual assistant work within my web design packages because they're still like I'm connecting their email marketing platforms. I'm connecting their social media. So it is kind of all related. It's all marketing, right? I just really enjoy it. <laughs> Well, and I think something that is important to highlight is that how you got started doesn't necessarily need to be where you end up. I think that as entrepreneurs, your business is constantly going to evolve. You're going to learn new things about what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. You're going to learn literally new tasks. I mean, you're constantly investing in yourself with these courses and learning new things so that you have new ways to be able to help your clients. And then also you understood the value of your time. Being a VA, it does take a lot of hours in the day to be able to help with some of these tasks, but also web design and SEO audits do as well. But like you said, it's probably a little bit more profitable. So mm -hmm. especially as a busy mom that is juggling motherhood and entrepreneurship, you really have to identify where your time is spent and make sure that you're using it effectively. So I really like that you've been able to combine all of these to be able to really evolve your business this way. But you mentioned one of the ways that you help is through SEO audits. I think mm -hmm. SEO is this really kind of popular term that's been thrown around. Before we dive into kind of how you help people here, can you just explain a little bit more about like what SEO is? Yeah, so SEO stands for search engine optimization, right? So it's getting more organic traffic, so unpaved traffic to your website, or you can also use SEO strategy in other places like social media as well. The goal, like I said, is just to get more traffic to your website, but also to get the right kind of traffic to your website. So for my business, for example, I really work to help women-owned businesses that have a product for health and wellness. It's important to niche down. You've heard that a million times probably, but especially when it comes to SEO, because you can have a marketing business and you have a website for it. But if you're not speaking to a particular person that needs your services, you're basically not speaking to anyone. SEO really helps fine tune that because you're putting terms in use for things that people are actually searching for, things that your ideal client are actually searching for. And you mentioned that it's a way to get unpaid traffic to your website. As mm -hmm. someone that's just starting out, I think that people think that they need to pay for advertising 
but SEO is actually a very effective and efficient way to be able to drive traffic to your site for no cost whatsoever. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, essentially. And actually I've seen before doing audits for more established businesses is they were paying for all these Google ads or whatever kind of ads, and they weren't getting the results that they wanted, you know, investing thousands of dollars in ads. Well, it's because the copy on their website was very generic. And, you know, the other side of SEO is like the technical side, like their website just wasn't flowing and functioning in a way that made sense to people visiting their website. So you can pay all this money for ads that doesn't guarantee that they're going to convert into clients. So having good SEO strategy on your website is going to be key before you do any ads. Save yourself some money and some headache by just optimizing your website first is definitely something I recommend. Definitely the term works smarter, not harder. Absolutely. With this. So how would you recommend if someone was just getting their website going? I know you said that you focus on women specifically within the health and wellness space. So maybe we can use them as an example, but mm -hmm. how would you help someone optimize their profile? What are you really looking for when you're doing these SEO audits, when you're going through their websites with like a fine tooth comb? Yeah. So the first thing I do is I look at their website traffic currently. So what terms are people searching that is getting traffic to their website? So for my website, for example, a term that was coming up for me was podcast management. And I was like, I don't really want to be known for podcast management, but I was ranking pretty highly, you know, not like the first page or anything because I'm still a new business, but, you know, I was ranking in like the top 50. And then whereas my web design and virtual assistant stuff was really like way down there, not getting that kind of traffic at all. So I was looking for those terms of what traffic is already coming to your website. And if it's not something that you want to be known for, you need to go and do a keyword research. And there's plenty of free tools out there. I love Google Keyword Planner. You make a free account. They do ask for your credit card, like as if you're going to run ads for it, but you can just cancel the ad. It's a free tool. And you just type in, like I said, what you want to be known for is the way that I kind of put it in layman's terms. So for me, I want to be known as a Squarespace web designer. I'm going to put that term in Google Keyword Planner, and it's going to push out a bunch of different keywords. And I think the term keyword even confuses people a lot. People think that keyword is simply one word like Squarespace or web designer, right? And that's two words. But really think of your own behavior as someone that is using Google. You're typing in questions into Google. You're typing in you know, long phrases of how do I learn how to become a Squarespace web designer, right? And obviously you're not going to write that on the homepage of your website, but what page can you create that is going to target that long keyword phrase? So that's another thing that comes with SEO is putting out consistent content. And, you know, for me, it's blog posts. For someone else, it might be YouTube videos or this podcast is an example of a long form comment content that answers a specific question that your target audience is looking for, right? So like I just mentioned, how do I become a Squarespace web designer? I don't have a blog post about that, but if I had a course about Squarespace web design, that would be the number one blog post I should be writing because it's going to answer a specific question. Keywords research and then putting out consistent, valuable content that is targeting your specific audience is just the two things that I want to get across most when it comes to SEO. There's hundreds of factors that Google uses to rank your website and to rank the individual pages on your website, I should say, but really just focusing on the value in the content and the keyword research is going to get you so much farther. <laughs> And so how would you know what a successful keyword is versus what is not successful? 
it's not an exact science. I like to tell people it does take some tweaking and it's not an immediate thing that comes overnight. Like you're not going to change a word on your website and then instantly get hundreds of you know visitors to your page. So it does take a little bit of trial and error, but when you're looking at a tool like Google Keyword Planner, you want to look for words that are getting a lot of traffic and maybe not as much competition. It'll give you a price as if you were going to run a Google ad. And if it's a higher price, that means it's a competitive word. So people are searching that word, right? It's a little bit involved, but it does take a little bit of trial and error too to make those tweaks on your website, wait a month or two, see the impact, see if you're getting the people that you're searching for, basically. And that's why it would be beneficial to be able to work with someone like yourself, because you're able to go in and really audit what's kind of working and what's not working and really work with these individuals to tweak it. Absolutely. Yeah. And a big part of my package too, is I go in and do content research and I give you a list of, you know, 10 to 20 blog post ideas. So that way moving forward, you have a strategy, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to write 20 blog posts in a day or two, but you know, if you're putting out one a week or two a month, whatever that looks like for you and how much time you have, you have some room for growth, you know, moving forward. And when you mentioned the blog post, it could be at other forms of long form content, like the podcast or like YouTube channel, like you're saying, but it's really making sure that the titles of everything, as well as the content within the body of it, like whether it's the show notes or the YouTube summary, that they do contain these specific keywords that are mm -hmm. showing to be successful within these Google searches. Yeah, absolutely. And like for the case of this podcast, for example, that's why people love being on podcasts because you're getting those backlinks back to your website. Like I'm sure you will link my website and my Instagram handle or whatever in the show notes. And that's another check mark for Google saying, oh, this person is on this podcast. She must be a valuable resource. Let's bump her up a notch or whatever. And obviously that all that takes time and some of it is out of your control, right? You can go and ask people to link you to your website, but it has to make sense. But yeah, just again, it comes back to that consistent content. So being on podcasts is a great way to boost your SEO. <laughs> yeah, consistent content is everything. And I know that you're also not only helping with the SEO audits, but you're also helping with just general website design and making sure that the content that they do put out is visually appealing. And that way it's like a great flow for the visitor coming to the page. So mm -hmm. how do you work with your clients with web design? When it comes to the website design, I think what makes me a little bit more unique, and I think more web designers are starting to do this, is to get that keyword research and strategy part in before you start designing the website is so, so much easier. You don't want your biggest service page, for example, to be three or four clicks deep in your website. No one's ever going to find you. That's the most valuable part of your business. You want an easy way to get there and you want it to make sense for your visitor. You want it to flow, like you said, and you also want it to be structured on the back end in a way that Google is able to quickly tell what this page is about. So just another tip, I guess, for your listeners, for anyone that has a website is as you're building your website, you want to put those keywords in the headings. Um, a lot of people think that the heading fonts and the paragraph fonts are for a visual purpose of like the sizing, but really you're telling Google the hierarchy of importance of the words on your page. So an H1 should have the most important keywords and then moving down H2 to H4, H5, H6, whatever, those can be less important terms. But all of that strategy is telling Google the importance of your website and what your content is all about. So as a web designer, that's something that I really take pride in is taking the extra step and the extra planning piece of doing the keyword research and finding the terms that people are going to find you with. <laughs> 
So it sounds like you're not only just a designer here, but you're also a consultant because you're really bringing your well-researched and expert opinions to the table to be able to really optimize this whole web experience to be able to bring more traffic and visibility for your clients. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the one thing that I want people to understand business owners in particular, especially solopreneurs who are maybe, you know, DIYing their website is taking the extra step to do the strategy piece before you build out a new page or a new blog post or whatever. That's going to just be so much more valuable to your audience and hopefully end up with more traffic and profit for you eventually. Definitely. And I think a lot of people think that they need this like fancy, beautiful website in order to get started. But the reality is, is even just a really simple landing page at the beginning is probably all you need to get started if it's really optimized correctly, because you can still bring in a lot of traffic into that landing page. And then as you continue to grow your services and grow your business and potentially get some more money to be able to hire someone like yourself, that's really where you can expand this even further to be able to grow your business essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my like biggest, maybe not biggest regrets, but something I wish I had done differently starting a business is I just threw a website together not knowing what I was doing. And really, when I was paying money for, you know, Squarespace and the domain and all that, I didn't really need to be. I was finding clients without that. But I also ended up having to redo it completely like six months into my business because it really didn't match or didn't have any strategy or SEO involved in it. So I think a lot of businesses think they absolutely need a website before they launch. I disagree with that. Even though I'm a web designer, I think if you just take a step back, think through your offers, think who your target audience is, and then do that keyword research and strategy beforehand is going to really pay off. And I have to say I'm guilty of that as well. I was definitely (laughs) one that thought I had to have a website before I even got started. And boy, was I wrong. And now I'm actually, I mean, I'm all about being real on this podcast and sharing yeah. my journey along the way. And I have not SEO optimized it. That's something that, especially with the podcast that I'm really trying to figure out how to grow this because yeah. being able to really research some of these key terms and really understand what people are researching, like what's resonating, things like that, to be able to allow more people to be able to hear stories from women like yourselves. Because at this point, it's like, if I can't grow, then I feel like I'm doing my audience a disservice because there's an opportunity to help so many people out there. Mm -hmm. I don't even care if I make any money out of it. It's more of just like, I just want everyone to be able to benefit from these conversations because they're so good. Yeah. And when you look at it from that lens too, the SEO part of it is you want to help the people that you can best help. So using that strategy to market specifically to those people is going to just really give you the opportunity to make such a bigger impact. Game changer. And as you mentioned, it's really important to niche down here. When you first started, you were able to get a lot of your first clients from the course that you were in, and you really wanted to work with female and mom small business owners. Did you go into this course knowing that those were the individuals that you really wanted to focus on, or did it kind of just fall into place and you recognize that there was a really big need here? I kind of went into the course, not really with that idea, but like I said, I found those clients who were mom, mostly solopreneurs and just kind of fell into that. I didn't even niche down into the health and wellness piece until like the last month or two, honestly, but it just kind of worked out that way that the people that were finding me liked me because I had experience as a nurse. And then I kind of tailored my content to find those people who were also in the health and wellness space. So it just kind of all connected very well. I don't think... You know, I know there's so much talk about like niching down and you have to market, you know, to certain people. And I just said the same thing, but it doesn't have to be so, so niche in the beginning until you kind of figure out 
you know, do your market research and find people who need what you're offering. And then you can kind of tailor your services to what they need. Like a lot of my packages I built as people were asking me, telling me what they needed. Right. And I was trying to make packages of things that I thought they needed, but really they didn't need those things. So they weren't going to buy from me. So really just doing that market research can really pay off and help you niche down as you go on. I don't think you need that again before you launch your business. It can kind of come as you go. And I think that's a, a really good topic to touch on as well, is that people were coming to you with their business needs and you were really pivoting on the fly, trying to figure out, okay, these are some commonalities that I'm seeing across the board with all my clients. How can I really deliver upon what they're asking for to be able to make sure that I'm constantly providing value and really pivoting with their needs? So how did you kind of um, go from thinking you needed to create an offer based on what you thought they needed versus actually listening to the needs of your clients and really building programs accordingly. So I was like, I remember building my website. And again, I, I think I had like one client at this point and I was just Google searching like, oh, a virtual assistant package. And like, what are other people doing that offer what I offer? Um, and I was making packages around that, but really the people that I was serving or the people that were interested in my services didn't need that. So again, I think if you can take the time to like actually do market research and, you know, interview people who you would like to work with, that's going to save you time in the long run. And yeah, just taking that extra step ahead of time, but also pivoting when you see something isn't working. You said that beautifully. I think that it does take a little bit more time at the beginning, but it's going to save you a lot of time moving forward because you already will have identified what it is that people want rather than having to guess what they want. You know what they want. You obviously have been able to make a few different pivots in your business so far. And I think that's really important to be able to do as an entrepreneur to constantly be evolving. So really, what do you envision for the future of Hilltop Help? I would love, so right now I offer kind of a custom web design package and then the SEO audit. Those are my two big web design services. I would love to be able to reach more people with templates that are optimized, you know, for search engines, which is something I don't think a lot of people are offering right now, but that's just like a more budget-friendly way for someone to get a really high quality website that's going to help with their traffic instantly because it's optimized for SEO at a cheaper price than what a custom website would be. So that is one thing. And then I have been hearing from my audience or just even doing the website audits, how valuable it is. So I would love to do maybe like a mini course or something about SEO, um, just to give people like break it down in layman's terms of what people can do in like a reasonable time frame, like without a big budget on advertising and, you know, hiring someone that's going to do monthly SEO management for them. Someone like you, for example, like, you know, you can take a couple hour course and have that knowledge and be able to implement it for years to come as you create content. Well, and to give you a little bit of market research right here, right now, that would be a course <laughs> that I would actually buy. Yay. Um, something that is pretty quick value that I can immediately implement into my business to see pretty quick results. Something that's breaking it down, like you said, in the layman's terms, because I know you and I were talking about this offline, but if you go and Google all this stuff, it's kind of confusing. So being able mm -hmm. to have someone really break it down for you, like you said, in layman's terms is definitely what I need for myself. Yeah. Like I said, like Google has like 200 points or something that they're looking at your website, analyzing your website for as a solopreneur, or small business owner, whatever you call yourself, there's only so much you can do. So just having those really big value pack items that you can tackle quickly, I think will be really beneficial. So 
maybe that will come next year. (laughs) Well, I look forward to it. And another thing that I just signed up for your email list myself, because the content that you're putting out is so valuable. I think everyone needs more of it in their lives. But one of the free pieces of content that you have is you actually have your own SEO freebie as a download. So if someone wanted to go to your website and check this out, what could they expect from this download? Yeah. So I think it's like five pages. Um, It has a checklist on there of what you should be doing every time you create content. So I made it with a blog post in mind, but you could use it for a YouTube or a podcast episode as well. But it's, you know, optimizing your title, doing the keyword research, all the little backend things on your website that need to be kind of checked off to make Google happy, I like to say. So it's really just a quick and simple guide for you there. It also has a list of power words, which we didn't even talk about power words, but, you know, power words are, if you think of like clickbait articles, like what are those words that they're using that make you want to click on it, right? There's like so many different things. Obviously, power words are things that, words that appeal to someone's emotion and make them want to learn more about whatever that article title is. So there's like a really nice list in there that you can use for not only, like I said, your blog posts, but also if you're on social media, you know, you've heard of calls to action probably on Instagram. So it kind of goes into a little bit of that too. And I think this is a really great way for someone to start if they're just dipping their toes into SEO and not really ready yet to be able to hire someone like yourself. So definitely check out that free download. And then when you're ready to take a step further, book that disco call with you to see if this could be a potential partnership. But before we sign off today, you mentioned these power words. Can you give me some examples of what some power words would be to be able to really make sure that we're leaving this episode on a really powerful note here? Yeah. Oh, you probably know them. Um, Like once I point it out to you, you're going to see them everywhere now. So one example, I guess, words that appeal to words that create a sense of urgency, right? So if you get an email in your inbox, a sales going on at Abercrombie or something, whatever, you know, they're saying limited time offer, you know, click now for 25% off discount, exclusive access, whatever, all those words, you know, limited time, exclusive access, all of those words appeal to that, a sense of urgency. And like, you don't want to be left out. Everyone here would rather spend 25% less on an item they were going to buy anyway, right? So that's one example. There's power words that, you know, make you angry. An example of that would be like a blog article titled 10 mistakes you're making on your website. You don't want to make mistakes on your website, right? So you want to click that and the value comes when you give them the solution to solving those mistakes on their website, right? So the mistakes that bold, you know, anger filled word makes you click on the article, but then you're giving them value by helping them solve their problem. So that is like SEO gold right there. (laughs) Those are great. So really tapping into the emotions is essentially where the powerhouse words come into play. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I said, great for like email subject lines, like anywhere that you want people to click on it, you should be using those. That's amazing. Now you have shared such incredible advice today already. And thank you so much for diving so thoroughly into the SEO content. I know that I have taken a lot away from this conversation and I know other people will as well. If you could think of just one piece of advice that you would give to someone that's just starting out their business, what would you tell them? One, just go for it. I'm sure a lot of people say that on your podcast, but you have to start somewhere. 
Nobody expects you to be an expert business owner making a million dollars the first week you start your business, but you never know until you try. And like I talked about, you don't know what people need until you start asking them. So just starting somewhere. Um, and then also with that, just staying consistent with it. I get so many messages <laughs> on my Instagram that like, oh, I'm so proud of you for staying so consistent. How do you do it? And it does, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort, but I see the results in that. Like I've had my Instagram account, I think over a year now for my business. And like I said, almost all of my clients have come from Instagram. So being consistent, whether you're doubting yourself or your content or not, you know, people do notice that. So the consistency is definitely key. Yeah. Just getting started and making the decision to do that. And then, like you said, the consistency is really where you're going to start seeing the results. Hmm. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for this conversation today. If someone wanted to find out more about what you're doing, download that SEO freebie and potentially work with you, where could they go and find out some more information? Yeah. So everything is linked from my Instagram account, which is at Hilltop Help, H-I-L-L-T-O-P-H-E-L-P. You can find my website in the link in bio there, which is hilltophelp.com. And I think the SEO freebie is hilltophelp.com slash SEO freebie. I made it really simple. That's another SEO tip for you. <laughs> Make the URL simple. But yeah, so all that information is there and you can join my email list. I usually send like two emails a month that are filled with value and web design and SEO tips. Wonderful. Seems simple enough to me. Like I said, yeah. I've already signed up for your email list. Excited to be on that constant rotation of those twice a month email lists. Thank you so much, Maggie, for such a powerful conversation today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Megan. It was so fun. Wow. Maggie did not disappoint. This episode was value packed with immediate things you should consider and implement in your own website. One being to make sure you are niching down before investing in ads as you want to ensure you're speaking to your ideal customer. By doing that and optimizing your site with the right keywords, you will increase your chances of attracting your target customer through unpaid traffic before having to invest any dollars. Work smarter, not harder, right? So let me ask you, self-starter, are you ready to optimize your website? Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Self-Starter Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com. And remember, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. See you next time.